Buffalo Wild Wings has specials on food from 3 to 6, Monday through Friday, and great deals on drinks all day. It's the perfect way to offset a long day. Text that hilarious joke about your boss to your boss. What? No, no. Try a $3 Wild Herd by Goose Island. Set your morning alarm for 6 p.m. That calls for $5 strawberry margaritas. So if you ask your phone why you're still single and... Ha, ha, ha. Seriously? Head to Buffalo Wild Wings. At participating locations, taxes and fees apply. Dine-in only. Drink responsibly. Offers vary by location. Void where prohibited. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. The X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. All hit radio. Welcome to the X Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. Great having you with us tonight here on this Friday night edition as we get ready for yet another weekend. The Exxon is a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And as you all know, we come to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern right here on the Exxon Broadcast Network. And if you'd like to find out more about the Exxon Broadcast Network, the great programming we have available for you, 724-365, and the different shows, just visit www.xzbn.net. My guest this hour, Exxonation, is a young lady we've had the pleasure of having on the show before. Her name is Deborah Blake, and Deborah is the award-winning author of the Baba Yaga and Broken Rider Paranormal Romance Series and the Veiled Magic Urban Fantasies from Berkeley. Deborah has also written The Goddess is in the Details, Everyday Witchcraft, and numerous other books from Llewellyn, along with a popular tarot deck. She has published articles in Llewellyn Annuals, and her ongoing column, Everyday Witchcraft, is featured in Witches and Pagans magazine. Deborah can be found online at Facebook, Twitter, her popular blog... And if you'd like more information about Deborah, visit her website at deborahblakeauthor.com. Now, when not writing, Deborah runs the Artisans Guild, a cooperative group, uh, a cooperative shop she founded with a friend in 1999, and also works as a jewelry maker, tarot reader, and energy healer. She lives in a 130-year-old farmhouse in rural upstate New York with various cats who supervise all her activities, both magical and mundane. Hey, Deborah, welcome back to the Exxon. 
Well, thank you very much. It's lovely to be back. So tell me, you know, uh, next month is the time for witches. Uh, are you getting excited now? Um, well, you know, sort of. <laughs> I, I'm always excited um, about various and sundry things. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not one of these people who gets into the holidays mm-hmm. like way ahead of time. Right. I always sort of laugh when I go to the stores and you see the Halloween candy out, you know, in September. <laughs> it seems sort of silly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, today is actually one of our, our fairly big pagan holidays. It's the autumn equinox. That's right. Um, tell our listeners. So I'm sort of excited about that. So, so what do you do on the autumn equinox? How do you celebrate it? Well, the great thing about the autumn equinox is that it is one of only two days during the year when the daylight and the darkness mm-hmm. are equal. Spring equinox being the other one. Right. So it's a great time to work on balance and on, you know, sort of letting go of the stuff from the past six months and working on the stuff for the next six months. Also, of course, it's the second harvest festival of three, so there's the feasting, feasting good. You know, I, I had uh, another Wiccan on earlier this uh, weekend. I, I, like I was telling her, I said, you know, you people, and I'm talking about witches and Wiccans, have had a bum rap throughout history. It's true. You know, and you are the nicest, most kindest, loving, you know, you you guys are just so great that it ticks me off when I hear anything negative about it. Well, you know, there was sort of a political thing. I mean, not like a current political thing, but when the, you know, when the Christian church moved into Europe and they wanted to take over from the existing power structure, that was, you know, it was not Wiccans, because there was no such thing as Wiccans back then, but it was, you know, the witches and the herbal mm-hmm. healers and things. And, and yeah, ever since then, we've sort of gotten a bum rap. And then, of course, you know, Hollywood jumped on the bandwagon, because yeah. let's face it, wicked witches are way more interesting than your average, you know, like, girl-next-door nice witch who, yeah. you know, yeah, exactly. Well, my, my the truth it. is, I'm, I'm so boring. Oh, I'm I don't so think you are. I wish I, I were wicked. If oh. I were wicked, I'd be way more interesting. I love you just the way you are. Well, thank you. Right back at you. You know, and, and Hollywood <laughs> did a good job on one thing, bewitched. They kind of, you know, gave a very humanistic side to... Elizabeth Montgomery and, and I guess. Oh, yeah, Samantha Dick, was, you know, was great. Yeah, you know, but. I can't I, twitch my nose like that. I, I can't. I wish I could. Well, I'll, <laughs> we've got to go for a commercial break right now. So why don't you try, keep practicing? And uh, maybe by the time we come back, you'll have it. You'll have it mastered. Exxon Nation, our guest this hour. I will hour. let you know. All right. Exxon Nation, our guest this hour is Deborah Blake. Her website is www.debrablakeauthor.com. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell, and we're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send me an email, it's very simple, exxon at exxonradiotv.com. Don't go away. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, 
Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Welcome back, one and all. Deborah Blake is our guest this hour, www.deborahblakeauthor.com. Deborah, you've written a lot of books for Llewellyn. This one will be number 10. It's entitled, A Year and a Day of Everyday Witchcraft. What inspired you to write this book in particular? Well, people had been actually asking me for either a 365-day book or a devotional, mm-hmm. and this sort of combines them both. It gives you a way to you know, go through the whole year one day at a time, obviously, as the title says. So it really it was sort of an homage to my readers and my fans who said, you know, could you please give us this? And I went, well, already then, because I'm that kind of girl. Yeah, you are. Listen, uh, what is... <laughs> What is it about the 365-day books that you like so much? Well, you know, we're all really busy, Mm -hmm. and the 365-day books give us a way to take this manageable little bite of whatever it is we're interested in. I mean, I have them about writing, and I have them about spiritual things, and... You know, when I can't necessarily commit myself to read a whole chapter of something, you know, I can sit down, you know, for me it's usually right before bed, and read a page or a page and a half of something every single night and still manage to, you know, keep up with it when I can't keep up with things that are, you know, denser. Hmm. So... What do you consider to be everyday witchcraft? Well, you know, for me, you know, this is sort of my theme. I, you know, I, I write a lot of books. You know, I've got the everyday witchcraft to A to Z and the spell book and all that. You know, I think a spiritual practice is more about how you live your life every day than, you know, some big holidays. So I try and find people, help people to find, you know, fast, simple, easy ways to integrate their spiritual practices with their day-to-day life. Because let's face it, mm-hmm. you know, most of us are what we do and yeah. how we walk our talk every single day and not, you know, what happens on, you know, one particular day like Halloween. Um, you know, that's, that's a cool day and it's a great day to celebrate. 
But that doesn't make you a witch. What makes you a witch is how you go through your everyday life. And so I try and make it easy for people to sort of connect with that part of their world. All right. The subtitle of your book is 366 Ways to Be Witchy, uh, to witchy your life, I should say. Why 366? Witchify. 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 Okay, I can't read yet. It's as if you thought that wasn't a real word. Well... Okay, it isn't a real word. Okay. We made it up. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, so so why 366 and not 365? Well, a traditional uh, Wiccan way of measuring time is a year and a day. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when people make a commitment to, you know, their studies or, you know, some people when they do sort of a trial marriage kind of thing, they say for a year and a day... And so I wanted to give people 365 days and then sort of make that last day a place for them to do whatever it is they felt would be the appropriate way to start the next year. Gotcha. But what's this stuff about a trial marriage? Nobody told me about that. Well, you know, you're not a witch. You, know, you I, mean... I could tell you, but, you know... <laughs> you mean witches, there, there have, are... witches have trial marriages? Not all of them. Plenty of them either don't have any marriages at all, or they do a standard traditional marriage. But there are some witches who will, in fact, do a ceremony for a year and a day to uh-huh. see if it seems to work. And then if it does, they will go on and you know, make an additional commitment, oh, which, see. when you think about it, is probably not a bad idea. I was married once. If I'd had a year and a day, I would have backed out after, I don't know, four weeks. <laughs> So, so it's kind of like a test drive. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. All right. Now, tell me what witchify means, and and how do you describe it? Since well, the, there is a funny story about that word, which, of course, mm-hmm. as we all know, is not really a word. Uh, my editor at Llewellyn, Alicia Gallo, came up with it. We were brainstorming subtitles, and she said, "Well." You should say, you know, witchify your life. And I said, you know, that's not a word. And she said, I know, but I kind of like it. And we both decided that we liked it enough. We decided to make it a word. So 20 years from now, you're going to look in the dictionary, and it's going to be there because of us. Wow. I mean, to me, it means adding witchy touches Mm -hmm. to, you know, your normal everyday things. Like integrating herbal magic with cooking is witchifying your life. Okay. But makes, yes, it, it makes yeah. sense, you know. It really makes sense. You have a number of interesting and particularly witchy topics leading up to Halloween, or as pagans often call it, Samhain. Uh, did you do this right. on purpose? I did. Well, you know, partially because it is such a big deal for us. Samhain is one of the major holidays of the year. So when I got to that point in the book, I figured, well, you know, I might as well talk about the things that are involved, like black cats, obviously, and, you know, magic. That's Mm -hmm. a good topic to talk about when you get close to Samhain or Halloween. Um, So, yeah, you know, I try to, in some places in the book, have things that were suitable, like during the summertime, I would talk about, you know, like camping, um, and yes, you can do witchy camping. It's a thing. Um, but you know, then there's sort of random things that you know I put somewhere because they had to go somewhere. What's with the black cats? 
Well, first of all, my black cat, Magic the Cat Queen of the Universe, is sitting about a foot away from me, so I have to say they're the best. <laughs> um, and, and black cats are um, associated with witches. I mean, all cats are associated with witches, but black cats in particular have been associated with witches. I'm not completely sure why. Uh, some people believe it has to do with um, a goddess named Hecate, who actually was said to have disguised herself as a black cat once in order to escape some nasty monster thing. Um, you know, but they're they're just particularly witchy. How many different gods are there? How many do you want? Well, no, you know, like <laughs> like like in Christianity and in Catholicism, there's one God. You know, other well, religious philosophies have more than one God. How many are there in the pagan uh, or the witchcraft crowd? I don't think we can count them. I, you know, the thing about about witchcraft is it is definitely what we would call a polytheistic religion, meaning mm -hmm. more than one God. Yeah. Some people pretty much follow god and goddess and don't give them any names beyond that but also sort of see them as really being say faces of a more unified whole something that we can't even name and then there are people who go with the greek gods go with the celtic gods um you know different people follow different gods so there are pretty much as many gods as there have been in human culture and there's probably some pagan out there somewhere who's following one of them. Hmm. So where does where does paganism start? When did it start? Where did it start? And how did it start? Well, you know, nobody really knows the answer to that question. But if you look far enough back in human culture, mm -hmm. all cultures were pagan. You know, all those tribal folks who gathered around bonfires beating on drums pre-christianity even pre-judaism and pre-muslim they were all pagan they worshiped multiple gods they worshiped you know they were nature-based religions which you know which witchcraft is essentially a nature-based religion right. because that was what they lived with every day so really it probably started with the dawn of man if you look back at you know, say, Egyptian culture, Mesopotamian culture, they all had elements of witchcraft, and they had multiple gods and goddesses. It really, you know, I, I hate to say this, you know, at the risk of peeving people, Christianity is a pretty late development in the human race, well, which plus, is not to take away from it, well, plus but Christianity, it's pretty new. Christianity follows a lot of the pagan holidays and rituals anyway. Well, yeah, they kind of swiped them, you know, which is, you know, again, not to put anybody down. I have lots of friends who are, you know, Christians, and I was brought up Jewish. But, yeah, a lot of the Christian holidays, like, you know, Christmas, yeah. you hear a lot of Christmas carols talking about the Yuletide Mary. Yep. Well, Yule was a pagan holiday. Exactly. And, of course, Easter, there's a goddess named Ostara, and, you know, a lot of the things like, you know, the bunnies and the chicks and all those things, they're pretty much, you know, pagan fertility symbols. So, yeah, you know, I think it all works together if everybody's willing to play nice. You know, I have no objection to anybody believing whatever it is they believe. Exactly. But 
you know, there, there really was this sort of pre-existing culture that the Christians came in and adopted because they knew that that meant people would go along with the things that they were preaching. Oh, let's call a spade a spade. It was marketing. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to get emails about this, aren't I? No, no, don't worry about it. I've said this many a times. I just call a spade a spade, you know. Yeah, and it really was marketing. I mean, they were very clever. They would build churches on pagan sacred ground because Mm -hmm. they knew the pagans would continue to come to what was sacred to them and therefore would have to be in the church. And if you go to Europe and you go to a church, you know, an older church, most of them have, you know, green men figures and other, you know, pagan figures on them because they were integrating the existing culture into what they were doing so that people would show up. Sure, we know for a fact that... And clearly it worked, because they won. Yeah, exactly. Plus, we know for a fact Jesus Christ, if he really did exist, wasn't born on December the 25th. Like there's no, no, it was probably the spring. Exactly. All those baby animals yeah. are born in the spring. Yeah. And, and you know, there believe it or not, there are many pagans who worship Jesus as one of the gods, not mm-hmm. necessarily the only god, but you know they consider him to be extremely special. You know, I don't think anybody is doubting his existence or doubting that he had something that went beyond you know the average person. You know, the the whole rest of the tale, perhaps they're a little iffy about. How come... And now I'm going to get more letters. Uh, I'm going to get more letters! Uh, just forward it to me. Forward them to me. I'll take care of them for you. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to say, you know, Rob got me into trouble. It's his fault. Yeah, and uh, here, Rob will answer it for you. We'll take care of it for you. <laughs> Listen, you and I have to go to our uh, break at the bottom of the hour for the news. Please stand by. Exonation. Nation, Deborah Blake is our special guest. Her website is deborahblakeauthor.com. Exo Nation, if you'd like to get your complimentary copy of the X Chronicles newspaper, the August-September edition, you go to xchroniclesnewspaper.com, where we've had more than 7 million digital downloads of this edition around the world. Now, the September-October issue will be out next Wednesday, so uh, just go there, get your digital download, once again, with all the ads and all the stories and all the articles with the compliments of the X uh, the X-Zone radio show, the X-Chronicles newspaper, Elmar McConnell Media Company, and of course, our many wonderful advertisers. Deborah and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as we continue here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. I am Rob McConnell. Don't go away. Broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN TV. For more information on the X Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. 
Exonation Deborah Blake is our special guest. www.deborahblakeauthor.com. Deborah, why uh, the, the significance of the the pointed hat, the cauldron, the the candles, the the darkness surrounding the image that people have of of witches? How come that that image has survived all these years? Well, you know. I don't know. Uh, I can make stuff up. Uh, I, the cauldron, actually, I can tell you where that comes okay. from. That is is actually witches use cauldrons because it was the thing they cooked in. You know, it was mm-hmm. you know basically a cast iron kettle, and they used it to cook. And so then they used it in their magic because it was what they had in their house. In symbolically for witches, that represents the female and the. You know, opening and everything, um, just like the athame, which is the ritual knife, represents the male. We're really subtle about this stuff. You know, big thing with a opening, big sharp thing. Yeah, whatever. Um, at the pointy hat, I I don't know where that came from. I think probably women wore pointy hats, and somehow that got associated with witches. I personally. Do not wear a pointy hat. I don't look good in hats. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just a thing. Um, as for why the stereotypes persist, I think people need fairy tales. You know, there's a reason why fairy tales have persisted down through the years, and witches are you know part of those. And some of those came from you know like the Brothers Grimm yeah. and people like that. But people need myth. They need, you know, things to believe in, whether they reassure them or scare them. You know, it's it's part of how we view our world. And and I think that witches have become a part of that landscape, for better or for worse, you know, and there are stories about good witches. You know, they are fewer than the stories about evil witches, because, you know, wi- women with power are scary, just ask anyone. No, I disagree with you there. I, well, I, I disagree. And, and I do too, but, but nonetheless, there are unfortunately plenty of people who think that. You show me a guy who thinks like that, and I'll show you a very insecure person. Uh, do you want me to start pointing fingers? <laughs> because I got a lot of fingers to point. But we're not naming any names of any political people, because that would just be rude. Uh, you mean we can't mention Donald Trump? You said a bad word on your own show. Now I'm going to have to wash your mouth out with soap. <laughs> oh, all right. I'd rather have you wash my mouth out than, with soap than have uh, the, uh, the the leader of North Korea blast a, uh, a hydrogen yeah, bomb. Yeah, that would be rude. Oh. That would be extremely rude. Yeah, it's it's a pretty crazy time. And I guess for me, one of the things that I get out of being a witch is I have a certain amount of faith. And and mm-hmm. I just have to believe that you know, the the gods and goddesses that I follow are not going to let the crazy people win. I hope you know, so. I may be wrong. Yeah. I may be wrong, but you know, I'm I'm hoping that sanity wins the day. You know, I maybe that's my fairy tale, but I'm going to stick with it. All right, so when we look at Halloween, uh, we, we've got everybody dressing up in these strange costumes, going door-to-door asking for trick-or-treat. Uh, where does, where does the, the, 
the tradition of knocking on somebody's door and basically begging for candy come from? Um, I'm going to say the people who sell candy, actually. Um, the, the Halloween itself comes from a very deep spiritual base. Mm-hmm. Halloween, the word Halloween, comes from the early Christian holiday, which was All Hallows' Eve, which was a celebration of the dead. And, in fact, that comes from what we call Samhain, where that, that holiday, which is a, what we call a quarter-cross holiday, meaning it is halfway between um, you know, the, the solstice and you know, the, the equinox, um, that's considered to be a time when the veil between our world and the world of those who have gone beyond is especially thin, and so we have the ability to talk to our beloved dead, and they can come back and talk to us, which is where all that sort of spooky stuff comes from. There's actually a really deep spiritual basis to that, the ghosts and ghouls and things that go bump in the night. Mm-hmm. Originally, it was a sacred holiday where you could reach out to your ancestors or to the people or critters you've lost in the last year, and you know, contact them when you maybe couldn't otherwise. And so all of the stuff that's come down to Halloween has sort of originated from that. The candy thing, I'm not sure exactly where that came from. Although, you know, um, I like candy, so I'm not going to argue. Sure. How do the members uh, of the, um, you know, the Wiccans or the Pagans, how do they look at all these different... Uh, paranormal shows that are on TV, the Ghostbusters, the Ghost Chasers, the, the mediums, the psychics. Like, Well, you know, the, the problem is with your premise, which is that we all agree about anything. <laughs> the truth is that there are as many different kinds of witches and pagans as there are witches and pagans. And while some people like me sort of go, well, that's interesting, and, you know, we mm-hmm. laugh at the silly stuff, and we're grateful for the ones that take things seriously and expose people to real alternative thought. Right. Um, you know, not, I mean, that's, that's my take on it. I can't speak for the entire witch and pagan world, because I'm not that powerful or important. Um, I can say for me, about, you know, half of it is just, absurd, and you sort of look at it and go, really, is anybody buying this? It's clearly made up. Mm-hmm. And and about half of it has people who are very serious about what they're doing. Whether or not they are legit is not up to me to judge, but at the very least, hopefully they're opening people's minds to the possibility of something else, and I think that's probably not a bad thing. Hmm. You know, opening up one's mind and exchanging information and sharing information is, is very essential in today's society, and I think that is sadly missed in, in many uh, different camps around the world. When oh, you, absolutely. So, as a, how, how, how much has paganism changed over the years, and what, in your opinion, has been the biggest change? Well, I, you know, that's, it's sort of a trick question, because, um, you know, first of all, it's sort of an evolving thing, and modern paganism, or what they call neo-paganism, which really 
started in like the 30s, 40s, 50s, we don't know how it compares to early paganism because a lot of information was lost during what we call the burning years. When, you know, when the Christians came in and sort of, you know, torched Europe and killed a lot of witches and a lot of people who weren't witches, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of information was lost. So we can really only base our suppositions on what we're doing now and how it compares to the old stuff with very, very old things. And many of us try and sort of keep to the spirit of what was done back in ye old days, but we're sort of guessing at it, and we have to modernize it to go with our real lives today. You know, the, the pagans of old lived on the land, they grew their own food, they hunted to survive, and for most people that's no longer true. I mean, I do have a big, huge garden, you want some tomatoes? I have a oh, lot I of tomatoes. Oh, I love tomatoes. I love tomatoes. Oh, I will send you all the tomatoes you want. And I have basil. Ooh. But, but the, you know, the, the reality is that for most pagans, our day-to-day life is very different from what old pagans, mm-hmm. you know, the, you know, who lived back in the days where they only lived to be 40 and then dropped dead from, you know, bad food or having too many babies, we're not living in that same world, so exactly. today's pagans and witches have tried to take the lessons that we can find from the old world and make them real to the world we're living in now, so it isn't the same thing. There is no way on earth it is the same thing, and anybody who says, I'm doing exactly what the old pagans did, probably isn't either being honest with you or they're not being honest with themselves, but at the heart of it, I think that the spirit is the same, and that's what hasn't changed. The whole idea of being in touch with nature, being in touch with deity without the intercession of, you know, some guy who stands up at the front of the room and says, I'm the only one who can talk to God. You can't talk to God except through me. You know, we stand out in the backyard and look at the moon and say, well, you know, hello, goddess, how you doing? And she says, I'm good, how are you? Yeah. Uh, it, it, you were talking about the the uh, the events in the past where the Christians, you know, they burnt pagans at the stakes and, you know, they just ravaged. And, and a lot of non-pagans. Yeah. There were a lot of people who got caught in that who had, they were not witches, they were, you know, healers mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, they had a neighbor who didn't like them. Yeah. But whatever know. happened to thou shalt not kill? I'm the wrong person to ask. Uh, (laughs) Isn't that ironic? And do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Do you know a lot of people who would want to go around burning their neighbors? I don't think so. So, yeah, it's, it's a strange thing. And, you know, again, it takes us back to sort of the modern world where I see a lot of people who are doing things that I think, Really? You'd want somebody to do that to you? I don't think so. Well, I, I, and, I did and, a show once on about why isn't God why isn't God charged with child abuse? Because oh it, dear. Because if if you get a lot of if, letters for that one, did you? No, I've got a lot of people who said, you know what? It makes sense. Because if you take the Bible verbatim as as many Christians do mm-hmm. 
And you've got God who destroyed, uh, let me see, Sodom, Gomorrah, everybody on earth and everything living on earth except Noah and his family. He killed uh, so many Egyptians, and the list goes on and on and on. I'm a dad. I would never, ever, 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 ever even imagine being... No, and and I can't either, you know, and that... Honestly, that's one of the reasons why I can't follow those religions. Because yeah. to me, they just don't—I find them baffling. I don't, I don't get it. You know, the, the God sacrificed his only son to save everybody else. Well, you know, in theory, you know, I, I sort of get that. In reality, I don't know if I could do it. You know, I'm not sure I could sacrifice one of my cats. You people are all, you're gone. I'm sorry. Mm. It comes between my cat and you people. You're, you're out of luck. You can't do it. As a proud it's pet. It's been nice knowing you. You know, as a proud pet owner, I can, uh, I agree with you 100%. Please stand by. We've got to take our final break for this hour. Exonation, the one and only Deborah Blake is our guest. We're talking to Deborah about her books. We're talking to Deborah about paganism. We're talking to Deborah about Halloween and much more. And Deborah's website is DebraBlakeAuthor.com. And uh, Deborah and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break as we wrap up this hour here in the X Zone with yours truly, Rob McConnell, from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. To find out what's new, thrilling, and exciting on the X Zone broadcast network, www.xzbn.net. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Deborah Blake is our guest, www.debrablakeauthor.com. Uh, first of all, Deborah, I want to thank you so much for joining us. It's always a great pleasure having you here in the Exxon, and I'd like to thank the good people at Llewellyn for helping make this interview possible. 
You've got a new book coming up uh, that you're that's going to be released. It's entitled Little Book of Cat Magic. I love cats. Please tell me about this book. Well, that's not out till next year. I mean, my year and a day of everyday witchcraft is out October 6th, which is practically around the corner. Mm-hmm. But yes, the, the, the next one is finished and, you know, in the pipeline. My editor is working on it, the, you know, my beloved and wonderful editor. Um, you know, I had actually said to Llewellyn, I'm, I can't write any more books. I'm working on the fiction. I'm too busy. And my editor, Lisa Gallo, sent me for my birthday last year, this book, you know, she sent me a package, and I'm walking up the driveway, and I pull out this book, and it's the book of dog magic, and I went, why on earth would she send me dog magic? I mean, I like dogs, but I have cats, and then, you know, I opened it up, and inside there was a little note that said, wouldn't you like to write the book of cat magic? You know you want to, you know you want to, you have to do it, and of course, I did. I called my my agent and said, I know I said I wasn't going to do any more of these books, but, but, you know, and she said, no, it's the book of cat magic. You have to do it. So, and let's face it, I love my Llewellyn peeps so much. It may not be the last one either, but yeah, how could I say no to writing the little book of cat magic? My cat, Magic the Cat Queen of the Universe, would have been quite upset if I had said no. Can you give us a little hint into what readers will be able to find in the uh, in your book, The Little Book of Cat Magic? Well, a little bit of everything. It's It was actually a lot of fun to write because I went into things like, you know, the history of cats and human civilization, which actually goes back to Mesopotamia. There, you've learned something tonight. Um, and, you know, mythology and old tales and and things like that. But then I also wrote a bunch of spells that you could use for the benefit of your cat. For instance, you know, a spell to find the perfect new cat, a spell to help integrate a cat into your existing household, which I've done numerous times, and it is rarely easy if you already have a bunch of the cats. Um, You know, spells for healing if your cat gets sick, spells for, you know, letting go, which I... Unfortunately, I have a cat who's dying right now, and I'm probably, yeah, he's, he's, you know, he's 15, he's been, he's been fighting the good fight, we've been, we've been toughing it out for the last few months, and we're getting pretty close, and I'm probably going to have to do that spell myself, but, you know, if it, if it can help other people to do that unbearably hard letting go, you know, then that's why it's in the book, and then there's things like, you know, how you can use, you know, you, your your cat to help you do your magic, which those of us who you know live with cats know they have that special gift, you know whatever you want to call it, that you know that gives you that little boost. Plus, you know power animals that are felines. You know a lot of people do the power animal, animal totem kind of thing, and mm-hmm. of course there's lions and tigers and cougars. Oh my! I liked how you worked that in. That was beautiful. sorry that was my evil witch cackle that snuck in there somewhere you might want to delete that that's that might scare people oh no it's it's going to stay it's going to stay because you see (laughs) that that is you that is you and i didn't think it was evil at all i thought it was very cute well that's good thank you do you do you think that dogs could also be as magical as as cats oh 
Absolutely. My stepdaughter has a snake for her familiar. So, you know, I think whatever you connect with, Mm -hmm. I actually took a trip recently and and had to fly on a plane, which I don't particularly like, and sat next to these this lovely couple who were um, retired from the military, and they had a service dog with them because they both had PTSD. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, that big black lab, whose name incidentally was Onyx, which is my magical name, which we all thought was kind of amazing, she made me feel so much better throughout that flight. Uh, you know, I think... All animals have their own particular magic, and if you are a a witch or a magical person, you connect with whichever ones you connect with, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a cat. You know, it could be a dog, it can be, I don't know, an iguana, I suppose, if you happen to be particularly fond of your iguana, and that iguana has a magical inclination. I mean, not all of my cats are familiars, only magic the cat you gotta be careful what you name cats um yeah i i mean i at one point had five cats and magic was the only one who was at all interested in my magical work the rest of them couldn't care less and they just went (laughs) off and took naps (laughs) so how does magic help you your cat well you know when when my group gets together and and does a ritual in the living room which we do when the weather is bad outside magic doesn't go outside so she doesn't get to take part in those she always shows up as soon as we're ready to start. She walks in a circle clockwise around our ritual space and then either sits underneath the table that we use for an altar or mm-hmm. sits on the couch and sort of supervises us. And every single time, so I have to believe that she's lending her energy and her whatever particular cat magic that is to sort of boosting our own particular spiritual work. Why do you think... Also, she knocks the sage on the floor and oh. chews on it, but I don't, I'm not sure that's magical. She gets it mixed up with catnip. Well, it's she has a thing for the sage that we use for magic. I'm not sure why. Wow. Um, but, geez, I, I, why do you think... You pagan- had a thought and you lost it. No, but I found <laughs> it. I found it. It was under my left ear. Why do you think paganism <laughs> is becoming so more po- so much popular these days? Well, I think in part it's because it's a very accepting spiritual path. We don't judge. You know, you can have any sexuality. You can have any general spiritual bent. You know, there's a lot of varieties of paganism. You know, you can love whoever you love, you can live however you want to live, and in general, as long as you do not hurt anyone else, pagans are all okay with that. And there are very few other religions that that can be said for, and I think in our modern world, people are, they want to be themselves. They want to be true to whoever it is that they are, Mm -hmm. whether that's, you know, a political bent or a sexual bent or, you know, anything else. And because we are so open and so welcoming, you know, I think that's part of it. And also, you know, the nature-based aspect of it, I think people are starting to realize that the earth is precious and that it is powerful. And they're trying to, you know, get back in touch with it. And obviously, you know, paganism is one way to do that. We've got about uh, three minutes left, and I was wondering if you could 
As an author yourself, what do you think the most important part about trying to write a book is? Like you're a very successful um, author, you've got 10 books out there. Do you have any... Well, any... and that's 10, 10 nonfiction books. I also have yeah. six or seven novels and a few novellas. Um, I actually think it's hard work. I, you know, I know that doesn't sound like fun. I write almost every day. I write almost 365 days a year. I sit down in front of the computer and I write. Mm-hmm. It's, it is hard work, but you know, it's like anything else that you truly want to succeed at. You have to apply yourself and keep trying to get better until you don't suck so much. Yeah. Boy, that's, that's deep advice, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. It really is. You've spoken like the true pro that you are. Yeah, try not to suck. That's my advice to writers <laughs> everywhere. How do you deal with... And right- hey, I follow oh. that myself. I try not to suck. <laughs> so tell me, how do you deal with writer's block, or does that not happen to you? Well, no, I, I get it. But again, I sit down at the computer, and I stare at the empty page, and if I have to, I write one sentence. But it's something. It's, you know, I, the, the trick is... For me, at least, this is what I, it's my job. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not my day job, but it's, this is not a hobby. And that means that I have to do it whether I feel like it or don't feel like it, whether I feel, you know, if I have a cold, if, you know, life is kicking my butt. I just sit down and we we have a a phrase, bitchuck, B-I-C- but in chair, <laughs> hands on keyboard. B I C H I O K. Yeah. M O U S E. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But in chair, hands on keyboard. That's how you're a writer. Or or hands on your notebook if you're a handwriter. Personally, I can't read my own handwriting, so nobody nobody wants me to do that. It would take a really long time to get a book done. Deborah, where can our listeners buy your books? Anywhere. They're on Amazon and Barnes and Nobles. You can go into your local indie bookstore, and if they don't happen to have a copy, they will happily order you one. You can get my Llewellyn books directly from Llewellyn. Uh, you can get my Berkeley books directly from Penguin, which is Berkeley's like master overlord. Um, or you could go to the library, and if they don't happen to have a copy, you can ask them to order one, and they often will. Deborah, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Always a great pleasure speaking to you, and I look forward to the next time you and I meet here in the X-Zone. Thanks so much for having me. You take care of yourself now. Bye-bye. X-Zone Nation, Deborah Blake has been my guest this hour, www.debrablakeauthor.com. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour as we continue here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't forget to check out all the great programming we have available for you, 724-365, on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net.